The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Wednesday, January 15th, 2019, Season 15, Episode number 111. Welcome to another edition of The Break. We are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. And uh, lots of things uh, breaking this morning, things we got to talk about. Hall of Fame announcements. A couple guys uh, have gotten into the Hall of Fame. One glaring omission. We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, We'll also talk a little bit about the coaching staff. A few guys that have been reported to be added to this team, although there's been no official report by the team, but we'll talk about some of those names. Um, And then we'll finish um, the process of what we were doing a few weeks ago uh, when we were talking about the offensive players who are free agents and whether you wanted to see them come back. We're now going to flip over to the defensive side of the ball. We'll go through some of those names for you guys uh, to give you some perspective on what's going to be happening here in free agency. How's everybody feeling today? I feel great. Great. I know you're doing. Congratulations, Dave. I've said it before, but I'm going to say it on the air. Congratulations to you and your Tigers. Thank you. National champion David Hellman. Appreciate it. Uh, if we could get the intro changed to that, that would be cool. But nobody wants to listen to me talk about LSU. We yeah. can talk about the Cowboys. During the midst year. of all of that happening, somehow uh-huh. I found myself in the Tigers Instagram page and looking over like a thousand pictures of just the the tiger are you a fan <laughs> now not really yeah. but yeah, okay. poor tiger got me in just looking at all these different pictures and of comments and like the captions yeah, yeah they're pretty yeah. funny good but um congratulations to you and the tigers that was a good game thanks it was fun watch and now we go into almost drought season about to go on probation football. Now. Yeah, probably wow. odell is giving money to odell players. handing out 500 dollars handshakes illegal. i was thinking like are they supposed it to be capturing fake. that it was fake money oh, okay good I'm yeah. winking. Yeah. I'm winking. <laughs> it was fake. Him and Zeke oh, playing Monopoly. <laughs> that was so uncomfortable. Like that. That shouldn't be on camera. No. Why are we doing this? Anyway, all right. All right let's jump in. Uh, <laughs> you're right. Let's jump in. Let's talk a little bit about the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, we found out on Sunday uh, that Jimmy Johnson gets into the Hall of Fame. To me, very, very well deserved. A guy that had two Super Bowls here with the Cowboys. You can talk to the people in Miami. They may have a little different opinion, but you can't deny a guy that gets two back-to-back Super Bowls deserves to be people, in the Hall of Fame. People in Cleveland have a different opinion of Bill Belichick. Absolutely. So, yeah, he he's deserving. He ties Landry. He, I mean, Landry's got two, and Parcells have, has two. I think two Super Bowls is, should get you in. It's rare company. I mean, there's not yeah. a lot of guys got more than one. Uh, so not a lot of guys have one. It's not a lot of guys certainly and, and have two. And not just two Super Bowls, but turning around – Helping turn around, sorry, the uh, franchise. <laughs> you know that one of you know a yeah. three and thirteen team. They were one of fifteen that they turned it around. It made the super two Super Bowls. I know it's the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but like he kicked butt at Miami too. Like he helped, you know, the U, all that cool stuff. I, again, I know that's not pro football, but he was a badass every at every level of the sport. Yeah, it's yeah, absolutely well deserved. And I guess when you throw in that perspective, there aren't a lot of coaches that come from the college ranks that, that doesn't happen that often. have success in the NFL, let alone have back-to-back yeah. Super Bowl teams that win. And by the way, the first year he's here, they're 1-15. So really, you're right. He built it. Like and They built, built that. And so. built a, a, a roster that competed for the Super Bowl four straight years. And he won two of them. They were very close the third year without him, and then they won it the fourth year with Switzer there. But, I mean, he helped build that that dynasty there in the it's 90s for sure. Glad you said that word because, yeah, I mean, it's dwindling into the past. But, I mean, one of, I don't know, how many how many legit dynasties would you say that there have been in the Super Bowl era? It's like the Lombardi Packers, the, the 70s Steelers, uh, the 80s, 40, 80s 49ers, 2000s. the 90s Cowboys, yeah. and then the Patriots. That's, yeah. I mean, that's probably it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if you're on that list, then, yeah, be in the Hall of Fame. Yep, no doubt. So I have this question for you guys. I, I look at the fact that it, it last year when Jerry got into – two years ago, I'm sorry. Was that two? Three years ago when Jerry got in the Hall uh, of Fame? 17, okay. whatever So when Jerry gets in the Hall of Fame, in, as a part of his speech, he mentions Jimmy Johnson, and rightfully so. 
Uh, it seems like they've kind of had more of that kind of those kind of public. Jimmy was there too. By absolutely the way. was yeah. right, um, and they've had more of those types of public friendly exchanges here in the last several years. Do you think this uh, puts it uh, or or creates an opportunity now where Jerry puts him into the Ring of Honor? Uh, I would hope so, and I would hope that the people that monitor comments of of you know. Posts and stories and see where the, what, what well the people that that are I mean the, you can tell where the fans think about this yeah, and okay. you know the fans like to like to argue about anything that happens like well that's cool why didn't this happen or why didn't this happen yeah I think that that he should be in the Ring of Honor um, I don't think it's great to have guys in the Hall of Fame that aren't in the Ring of Honor it was going to be close if Everson Walls made it uh, a couple last year in the, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame but you know it's. It's a one-man committee. It always has been. Jerry wants to do it. He, he can. And, you know, I was standing right there with him one time when he, he made a comment that that I turned and looked around. I don't know who was next to me, but I'm like, well, he's never getting in. So hopefully they things things have been patched up, and I, I would imagine he does. That's the funny thing. That, like, I've been here since 2013, and you, I was going to bring up the Hall of Fame if you didn't. Like, my experience here is that the enmity there has died down. It seems like it, on the outside at least. Like, they've both made flattering comments about each other. Jimmy came to his induction into the Hall of Fame. Jerry talked about him. And I don't know if they're friends, but it seems like they're friendly. That's right. my perception in seven years. And so I'm, yeah, I, I, I'm like, I'm, I don't know if I'm surprised that it hasn't happened, but I don't get the feeling that there's something preventing it from happening. Yeah, And so maybe this will be kind of like pushing the snowball down the hill and i would expect it to happen at some point for sure let's talk about cliff harris another guy that's been waiting a very long time uh he was a guy that was part of i think the all decade team in the 70s um and now finally gets the call to uh to the hall of fame nick talk a little bit about it i know for for a lot of us we weren't around and and didn't necessarily see him play or know a lot about his career but tell me why he was a hall of fame type player all right just for the record i wasn't around either but (laughs) (laughs) i did set that up like you're just the Really Nick, old you're guy. old. I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> Amber's okay. like, yeah, of course. That makes sense. Right. Of course, yes. Nick. No, He's like, sorry, good. Sorry. Okay, we've got the jokes now. Let's <laughs> go. Uh, yeah. um, but, you know, a guy, I, his career is remarkable because back then in 1970, um, there was 125 rookie free agents that, that go to training camp. Right now, there's like 20. Yeah, 125? 125. Holy crap. And 23 of them were defensive backs. So he's a guy from Washita Baptist, which is in a small school in Arkansas, and he's one of the guys, and he's got to make this team, and he did. And not only that, he's ended up he started that first year. If it's ten years, they the Cowboys only missed the playoffs once. So that was you know that wasn't just him. That was just shows that how great they were in the seventies. But um, he he was always around the ball. I called him Captain Crash. And this was back when safeties really could go lower the boom. But he was yeah. more than that. He 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 had twenty nine interceptions. I believe. 16 fumble recoveries, so that's tied for second. And he's around the ball a lot. Him and Charlie Waters were a great duo there in, in that safety position. And, you know, I, he's he was the only defensive player in the all-decade team that wasn't in the uh, Hall of Fame. So On the defensive side of the ball? On the defensive side of the ball. I believe there's one on the offensive we'll side of the ball. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that, too. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, they, they, they've righted that wrong. He's, he's deserving. But, you know, it took a long time to get in the Ring of Honor, too. You know, Tex Schramm didn't put him in right. uh, for a long time there in the 80s. Uh, he didn't get in until 2004, yeah. uh, I believe. So it, it took a while for him. Um, he was always linked with Charlie Waters. I just mentioned him. They, they were linked together, but he was better than Charlie. And so mm-hmm. it's like, well, you put them both in, one in, and they decided, you know, he, he was better than Charlie in c- certain aspects. Charlie Waters was great in interceptions too. But I think I think Cliff Harris was just a dynamic safety that could that could do everything you wanted. A great athlete and. So I'm glad that he he's getting in. He it's well deserved for him. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't want to take too much away from these guys that have gotten this really huge news that they're they're getting into the Hall of Fame. But the glaring omission here, obviously, um, is Drew Pearson, uh, former wide receiver, the original '88 of the Cowboys. And it, it the reason why this seems weird to me and Nick, I, when I walked in this morning, I saw you in your office, and my first thought is, I need to go talk to Nick about this because I wasn't around. To see this, to be able to for myself say, no, Drew Pearson is a Hall of Fame player. I've seen highlights of him. Obviously, I've heard of the Hail Mary and 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 all the different stories that he's attached to um, when it comes to Cowboys history. But what I don't understand is how a guy like him, who was a you know a first team member of the All Decade team in the seventies, 
Um, a guy that has, uh, I think, three Pro Bowls, three All-Pros, first-team All-Pros. Um, and and then a guy like Harold Carmichael, which, by the way, I don't think it's a situation where Carmichael doesn't deserve to get in. But you look at the two careers, and, and you see that Carmichael never made an All-Pro, that he was only a four-time Pro Bowler, and one more time was he a Pro Bowler. And he was a second-team all-decade player in the 70s where Pearson was a first-team all-decade player. And it leaves me with the question of why. Why is there this omission that continues to happen? There must be something more that I just don't know about yeah. why he's not getting in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that that play right there. Um, obviously, For those that are watching. Yeah, we're watching the uh, the catch. Uh, this is the Hail Mary, obviously, against the the Vikings. But the play right before that, uh, you know, set it up. And, and I just think, Derek, I think that – to answer your question, I mean, I, I I don't have the answer. I wish I did, but the thing about it is, is that when you look at the history of the Cowboys and you tell the story of these iconic moments, he's he's in all of them. I mean, not all of them. He's he's in a lot of them. Yeah. Hail Mary, yeah, he caught it. But if you go back and just think of, remember that game, Clint Longley came off the bench and and led the Cowboys to a touchdown. Yeah, it was. Drew Pearson caught mm-hmm. it. Or remember the game, Danny White against the Falcons had those two touchdowns in the fourth quarter and play. Yeah, Pearson caught them both. You know, I mean, Drew Pearson, even Tony Dorsett's 99-yard touchdown run, he's down there blocking. That doesn't happen if he's not there. He's he's around in all these moments. And I just don't understand, is it is it yards? Is it stats? Is it the flares? Is, is it the dramatic? I mean, Lin Swan, Lin Swan's in the, ring, in the Hall of Fame because he was a Super Bowl MVP. You know, he's got 336 catches. David wow. LaFell has 390. Right? Or Peerless Price has 400 catches. <laughs> Mohamed Sanu. Yeah. So... It's not just about stats, you know. It's about great catches. Well, and I told you earlier. Well, then let's put David Tyree in. I mean, if we're going to do that, if we, you know, so it's just it's a sad because he doesn't know what criteria. I've got the stats. I've got the I've got the dramatic plays. I've got the Super Bowl championship. I got everything. Yeah, yeah. I got everything you need except for being in. And this is they could have righted the wrong and they didn't. Yeah, and I mean. If it, if it didn't happen this year where they had a bigger class because of the centennial, then right. it makes you think it's not going to happen anytime right. soon, which, yeah, I, I I can't lay out a better case than that. And it, it just it does make you wonder, you know, though there was the, the decade-long argument about, like, whether T.O. would get in because he was such a jerk. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I Drew Pearson's always been lovely in the very limited interactions that I've had with him. But it makes me think that, like, well, do people think he's a jerk? Do like, people not like him? Yeah. Man. Uh, I've never heard that, but yeah. that's what it makes me think because I can't think of a Those reason. Eagle fans didn't like him on draft day. Very true. <laughs> Put him in the Hall of Fame just for that speech, honestly. Know, right? Like, uh, yeah, it's that's a bummer. And I'm I, I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth a little bit, but like, it's kind of a bummer how it's such a spectacle now, like getting into the Hall of Fame because yeah. like he was looked like he was in his kitchen this morning or something. Like had a whole watch party. It's like watching a guy not get drafted. Like oh. invited some of the media and it, over it, it, and they were all there. It's this big so, yeah. spectacle and then he just gets his heart ripped out. Yeah. But at the same time, it was so cool how Jimmy Johnson found out live on TV and I got emotional watching Troy Aikman get emotional and it was lovely. So it's cool when a guy gets good news, I guess. It just it sucks to see somebody get their heart ripped out on TV. You know, the, the ironic part of, of those two receivers is that in 1984, Drew Pearson was you know, expected to have another great year for the Cowboys. Still a veteran guy. He's played you know, 10 years, but he was still doing it, still playing well. And then he gets in a car wreck. Uh, I believe his brother was with, in the car and, and passed away. I think so. Yeah. so. I think his brother think, was in the car yeah. for sure, but I didn't right. know if he passed away or not. And then he was hurt to the point where he didn't play again. Yeah. So he retired in, in 1984. And the Cowboys signed Harold Carmichael just briefly in 1984. He only played a few games, made one catch or whatever, and you know, it, that was that was the end of that. But long-time it was, eagle guy. Right, long-time yeah. eagle, and then he goes. and So in that 1984 season, it was Carmichael that goes and plays for the Cowboys. Drew Pearson didn't, and now here they are kind of being compared against each other. Carmichael has a lot better stats. But he played longer. He played longer. But, yeah, he, yeah he's got he's got more stats, more touchdowns, yards, and catches. But, like you said, not not those moments of really, you know. And when you look at it from the standpoint of just their recognition, all pros yeah. and that kind of stuff, I mean, Drew had more. He, he had three more all pro selections than, than did Carmichael. So. Yeah. It's it sucks. I mean, I don't know how. I don't know. And I think that frustration you saw when he's kitchen and slams his hands down because yeah. he, he realizes. I mean, if not then, yeah, when? Which you know? it's a it's a bummer. I bet he still gets in, but 
hopefully it happens while he can still enjoy it. Right. Uh, I mean, you know, if it doesn't happen for 30 more years, then that would be tragic. Well, they do have the senior committee that still every year presents, I think it's two or three guys that get in every maybe, year. And maybe, maybe honestly, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring it up on the show today is because a lot of times with these kinds of things, it yeah. takes that groundswell of people saying, what is going on here? For there to be enough attention pointed to it yeah. to say, hey, guys, you really need to right this wrong. And I, and I think that's part of our responsibility as a part of that, too, is to say, man, this guy deserves it. And if yeah. he's not getting in, then people need to speak out about it and, and say, this is a travesty he needs to be in. And, right? and, and you know, one of the, we, don't, we weren't there watching all these, but one of the guys that did get in, Steve Sable, and his dad, Ed Sable, you know, for NFL Films. NFL Films has provided us a lot of these moments where we've seen this. So it's not like you can say, well, you weren't there, I wasn't there. I mean, we, we get a chance to see the highlights, and sometimes they, they speak for themselves. And that's really all that you have in certain cases. But, I mean, he's got everything you need other than being there. So Yeah. And, I, again, I'm I'm very interested. I think at some point this offseason I'd love to get somebody like Goose Goslin, who is a, a voter, and presents a lot of the guys from Dallas on the show just to ask them because there has to be. I'm just, mm-hmm. I ha- I'm just believing there has to be some reason that when they look at it objectively, they're coming up and have come up with over year over year over year that he's not quite the guy there. And I just, right. I'd like to hear another perspective of why that is because it just doesn't seem very apparent to me right now. All right, let's do this. Let's go ahead and take our first break. When we come back, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the coaching staff. Nothing's official, but there have been some names that have been added to it. We'll throw out some of those. And one guy that you guys may remember from uh, just a few years ago that's been with this coaching staff before, we'll talk about that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor! Angus. A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score September 2019. Do you want the most interesting, up-to-the-minute Dallas Cowboys news straight from the star in Frisco? How about exclusive and on-command? That's right, news and nuggets you can't find anywhere else. With our exclusive Cowboys content on Alexa, you can have all the answers, secrets, stories, and more. What's Stephen Jones thinking during a game? What's Joe Looney's favorite pregame meal? We take your questions to Cowboys players and coaches, and you can hear the answers directly back to you. Just say Alexa, open Dallas Cowboys. Whether you're into being a part of this or more into something like this, SeatGeek has the tickets to the events you love. It's the easiest way to find, buy, and sell tickets. Plus, with their deal score technology, they'll recommend the best seats in the house at the best value. So the next time you're craving this, the SeatGeek app and let's go. SeatGeek. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again for tailgating with the OtterBox boys. OtterBox, the company that builds wildly overproductive phone cases? The one and only. But cases are just the start. OtterBox is the official outfitter of tailgating. If they can keep my phone safe, what can they do for my parking lot party? How about protecting your beverages from suboptimal drinking temperatures with their elevation tumblers? And OtterBox elevation tumblers come in three sizes. A 10-ouncer, a 20-ouncer, and even a 64-ounce growler. Check out all the colors and sizes of their elevation Tumblers at otterbox.com. Back to back to the break. Welcome back. It is the second segment of the break live from SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Uh, we're going to talk a little about the coaching staff. Uh, Cowboys haven't announced anything officially, and uh, they usually don't until they have the whole staff assembled. But I don't think they, I don't think they announced anything officially at all last year. They we just, just kind of go. At some point they're like, go. oh, by the way, they're here. But I will say this: <laughs> in years when they've had like a like a big turnover, which it sounds like it's going to be this year. They have announced it, and I, it seems like they've had like a little time with the media where you could kind of talk to the guys. But we'll see. This was before you, I think. I say that's never happened yeah. in my time here. Yeah. And we'll, they've we'll turned see. over the staff a decent bit over the last two years. Not this much, though, right? No, not, not this, this much. But I mean, head coach. In in eighteen and seventeen, I mean, yeah. they they. They've turned it over a little bit. It's fine. Whatever. I mean, Hopefully. basically what it sounds like at this point from what we've heard, there's only one guy, maybe two, 
that would be holdovers from the previous coaching staff, which is significant. Yeah. Very, very it's significant. Kellen and Nussmeyer, Kellen, right? Kellen and Nussmeyer. And then if you want to throw in, I forgot about Nussmeyer, but if you want to throw in uh, Sante Lyle, who, who is still under contract, there's not been an official word one way or the other. We're hearing rumors that he's not going to be here. Uh, and that there are reports out there that are saying, and I think he actually even said that he doesn't expect to be back. I think I saw that in a tweet. But uh, but that being said, I don't think there obviously there hasn't been an official announcement. So if you want to throw him in, you could say, well, maybe. But right now, there are only two that are being reported that will be back. And there's a lot of turnover. When you start thinking about the head coach, Mike McCarthy, and then Kellen Moore comes back as offensive coordinator, Mike Nolan, defensive coordinator, John Fossil, a special teams coach. Uh, John Tom, uh, Jim Tomsula, defensive line, Scott McCurley, linebacker, uh, Maurice Linguist, shout out to the Q's, defensive backs coach. Um, <laughs> then you got Doug Nussmeyer, quarterback coach, Joe Philbin, offensive line, Lundy Wells as tight ends coach, which I would be interested to hear what you think of that, Nick, because I know you and I have had some conversations about the possibility of maybe a Jason Witten being there. Uh, but uh, McCarthy got the job, Derek. He did, yeah, Nick never said tight, end. tight ends coach. No, he, I said that, and I thought you agreed with me, but maybe not. Again, Jason Witten didn't go through the Big Ten Network to cover games on Saturdays at 11. He went to Monday Night Football. Like, he's going he's going big or going home, and I think that's I really what's happening. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I, I don't know. think that's going to He's going to have to work it up a little you, bit. Yeah, you, gotta, you can't start at head <laughs> yeah, coach gotta, in the NFL. Who does that? Coach. Steve Kerr. <laughs> I mean, maybe so. <laughs> I think he was trying to be Steve Kerr in Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen Boone in the NFL. Or, no, probably not. All right, but, but one name that's interesting to me that's been tossed out there and uh, – and has been linked to the Cowboys at the running back spot is Skip Pete, a guy that was here from, I think, 2007 to 12 um, as running wow. backs coach. Uh, Nick, talk to me a little about what you know of, of Skip Pete for the time he was here, some of the guys he coached, and, and what that looked like. Yeah, he was on Wade Phillips' staff. Uh, he, he coached uh, Julius Jones and Marion Barber uh, for that first year um, that he was here. And then um, they drafted Felix Jones. I guess they drafted uh, DeMarco Murray. Um, he wasn't around for Murray's great year there in 14, but you know, he's, he's a, he's a coach, a a veteran guy, you know, brother of Rodney Pete. He's been around a while, football family for sure. And, uh, you know, personable guy, you'll, you'll just like Gary Brown. I mean, same thing. I mean, not just like him, but like he'll, he'll talk to you in the hall and and he'll, (laughs) he'll have some conversations. He's, he's a fun guy to be around. So, but as far as coach, I mean, it's really, in this case, it's, do you relate to Zeke, you know, which, you know, can you, can you get him to play and not just play the running back coaches is in the meetings and being engaged and, and, and practice and things like that. I thought Gary did a nice job there. So if they're going to replace that, I mean, that's line one is, is, is how you work with Zeke. Yeah. Good point. Which, he has been with Todd Gurley uh, for the last several years up in uh, with the Rams. He's so. good. He's pretty good. I just, you know, you talk about like overcorrecting a lot of times. Like, well, they tried the guy who'd never been a head coach, and they they fixed that by getting the guy who's been a head coach for twelve years. Like, look, and it's all reported, but look at the resumes yeah. on this coaching staff. Like, you know, we had the first year special teams coordinator and the first year offensive coordinator, and all these guys who had never done it before. That is not the case now because, I mean, Skip Pete's been coaching in the NFL since the 90s. Uh, Wells, the tight end coach, this rep- uh, he's actually started at LSU. Shout out Tigers. But he's been in the league for 10 years. Fossil's been in the year, in the league forever. Uh, Joe Philbin, half of these guys have been head coaches at yeah. some point. So Jim Tom Sula's been a head coach. Mike, uh, Mike Nolan's been a head coach. Can't, crit- can't say they don't know what they're doing. You think that could be a problem? <laughs> That many guys that have been a head coach Seems before? like there was a time here with the Cowboys when that was the case, when they had a lot of former head coaches on the staff. Yeah. And I don't think it's a problem just because as long as, again, as long as the person who is who is the head coach hired those guys, yeah. then there's a clear line. They understand who's ultimately calling the shot, and they're stepping into the role knowing that's the guy I'm ultimately reporting to, so I'm going to work within his program. And I think personally – most head coaches probably look at it like, I know what it's like to be that guy. I want to do everything I can to support that guy, knowing how hard it is if you don't have on your staff everybody pulling in the same direction. Well, I think what the cool thing that I'm seeing is them bringing in all these different guys with different perspectives, different backgrounds, and from the outside. Because the Cowboys are used to bringing up their own guys, like promoting somebody within the organization. And to me, I mean, that was 
part of the problem is you don't necessarily have the kind of experience that you need and the kind of different mentality that you need also in order to fix a problem because an outsider looks at things very different than an insider. So I'm really excited about that as- aspect. Only time will tell. But it's it's cool. Not cool. Because when I think of people's job, I get sad, especially when you know all these people and transitioning like that. It's kind of hard. But it, as a fan, as a Cowboys fan, it's very exciting and promising once again to see a whole new staff with the young group of guys that you have as players, which essentially, and we're, you know, we've been talking about free agency and all of those, but essentially this team is going to stay pretty intact, I think by the group of guys that we've been talking about, and especially if they keep Dak and Amari Cooper. So that's promising. Um, One of my biggest concerns was always like the life expectancy of players and the Cowboys kind of wasting the time that they had of all this young talent and kind of letting them walk away. But things might be finally turning around. And I hate this because every year, once again, when I say I am done with this team, <laughs> I am upset. This is ridiculous every time. Although this is a whole new scenario, but I'm always back in and feeling excited and saying, that's, okay. That's how every, for optimism. That's every fan, though. How many fans? Right. Have, every fan of every team in yeah. every sport. That's yeah. what makes but, it fun. When they, right. when yeah. they say, it's so funny no, when, when they no. say, I've been a fan since the 60s or the 70s or whatever, and I'm done. I'm like, you're not done. If you're done, you would have been done in 89. Right. You would have been done in 88, 89, and, you know, 97, and 2001, and 2, and 3. Well, you, you always find yourself finding different reasons as to uh-huh. why this year is the year and why this year will be different than the other. Until the this changes. That absolutely is Until this sports. changes, and I'm pointing at the star behind yeah. us here. Until that changes. That you're just gonna you're gonna keep getting sucked back in. That's yeah. that's what happens. That's but, and by the way, it's every team in the league. Every like team. every but, every fan does this. Why wouldn't Why wouldn't you want to get sucked in? Like they made the changes that, that that you want them to make. Like you know, I, there's talent on this team. They you they you got they got rid of the coach you don't like so much. They're shuffling up the staff. Not talking about you, Amber. I'm talking about just in general. In general, yeah. The rhetorical you is <laughs> like right. I would feel a lot. I would feel boundless optimism for this team. Well, yeah. like I mentioned a few weeks ago when we were talking about this, and and me asking the question as to okay, how long do you expect things to kind of start working together and connect when you're going through such a big transition? And that is my concern. Again, this is you just have to go through it to see how it turns out, and it's part of that kind of process. But it, it always brings me back in. Okay, how much time are we going to have these? young guys uh, playing for the team and how long is it going to take this whole coaching staff to kind of start clicking together and like you guys mentioned sometimes it happens right away with new coaching changes but because I have not lived through that and seen it happen with my own eyes that always concerns me as to okay how long does it take to for it to click but you know sorry what's stayed what's staying the same and this is honestly what excites me most the guys that are going to be talking to Dak Prescott are the only holdovers on this team. You're keeping Kellen Moore. Good point. You're moving Doug Nussmeyer to quarterback's coach, which I know he was the tight ends coach, but I'm sure he's got a relationship with Dak. He's a former quarterback. He also, I'm looking at his resume. He, it's In retrospect, it's weird that he was coaching tight ends in the first place. Like, yeah. He yeah. was a quarterback's coach for his entire career. He's a quarterback coach every night of his of his life. True. Because isn't his son one of the best his quarterbacks? His son is a coveted high school quarterback who is Texas, looking at LSU Texas, and Texas. Texas. It's fine. That's um, <laughs> fine. We'll give you that for now. Yeah, sure. We're champions. We don't care. I mean, I don't want to make this about myself, but the whole time Amber was just giving that spiel, I was like, look, as somebody whose team just won, one, the wait is worth it, man. And by it's the way, so you, good. the last couple of years, like you did not go into this year thinking that was going to happen. No, so yeah, that's not at all. And, yeah. uh, and another Dave part. had doubts every game because I listened <laughs> to him yeah. upstairs. That's it's like, oh, I don't know about being this a one. fan is agony ninety nine percent of the time. For that one percent, that's just like and pure it's ecstasy. Worth right? it. It's definitely yeah. worth it. But you know, you're asking the question of can they turn this thing around? Think about, it. you know, can this coaching staff? Can this? Can this new group? Give you, you know, another touchdown every game. 
just a, just another touchdown or you know four points here on offense and a, you know a, one field goal stop on defense or something like that. Let's just say seven more points. Seven more points each game gives you four or five more wins. Yeah, and, and, absolutely. And the, the unique part is, as I've argued with Mickey That's for you years. Hold on, hold on. Thinking that what happened but, last year but, is going to carry over well, into this hold year. Hold on, hold on. I I know I've argued with Mickey over and over for years. He was like, "Well, these four games, if you get an extra field goal, you win." There's always four or five games where you're like, "Yeah, but you got lucky to yeah. win this." In this particular case, it's very unique. They blew out just about every team that they 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 beat. They lost these close games. So it is it is kind of a weird thing because they were clearly better than the teams they played. And just not good enough on some of the other ones. And I think if you can get better in that sense, I think that you can have a quick turnaround. I think they can win four or five of those games. That's a big difference in the record, and then that changes And it. my belief is, and, I, and again, this is just my belief, my belief is that the reason why you saw those kinds of swings is because of the inexperience on this staff. It suggested to me that they were good enough to beat bad teams and to blow them out. When they got into games with really good teams – they didn't have that extra amount of experience that could maybe get them over a hump when they're in a rough part of a game and trying to figure out how to dig their way out. They didn't have enough experience to be able to do that. And that, personally, that's how I look at this season. So for me, if you're talking now, uh, a coaching staff that has a ton of experience, then you take a team like this, and maybe they can take those yeah. games and win half of those games that they lost uh, very close. If they win half of those, now you got a whole different season. You're in the playoffs, and you feel pretty good about what they can do in the playoffs against some of these better teams in the NFC. Right. Especially, I mean, let's let's say it's even just two, two games, and they're ten and six. And I mean, have you been watching these playoffs? Like, I know the Texans choked, but like the Titans are in the AFC title game. Yeah. It, it yeah. hasn't been in, in uh, the, the Vikings beat you know home uh, the. Why can't I talk? The you Saints got to get in. Won a home game against the Saints. All you got to do is be there. Yeah, and we are seeing that play out in front of us. And Although Amber, I still kind of think it's going to be one seed versus one seed in the Super Bowl, but who knows? We'll see. Uh, and to just well, speak to the point, go one ahead, seed. I mean, Kansas City is the two. Oh wow, you're the right. one. You're right. I'm sorry. AFC, you're right. Yeah. But you're, yeah. teams with home yeah. field advantage yeah. who won third. Yeah. You're right. Wow. I, yeah, Baltimore freaking yeah. lost. I still Which, can't that believe that. That was crazy. Boy, was and, you know, got it's, dominated. What's yeah. like, funny, didn't too. even come close. Did you see all the comments on there? Like, whoa, they must fire the analytics coach there. You know, and then it comes back to analytics. Oh, like, yeah. oh, I thought analytics were saving football, you know. Well, I mean, and I do believe this, though. Is like, I mean, it's so cyclical. Everybody's so small and so fast. It's almost like a no-brainer that a 250-pound running back is just annihilating people in the playoffs. Like, and it's gonna, and now everybody's gonna be like, "See, you got to run the ball," and they're gonna try to get back to running the ball, yeah. and it's a cycle. on and on and on we go. There you go. Uh, and just to answer your question, Amber, you look at just in this this season alone, you can look at a team like Matt Lafleur's team in Green Bay. They are in the NFC Championship game, and then you look at the opposite in that coin. You got Freddie Kitchens, who was a first-year coach in Cleveland, and now is fired, right? So it can go either way when you yeah. have a brand-new coaching staff. Well, it can be very, very good. It can also be very, very well, bad. Well, and also Matt, Matt LaFleur, you know, he took over Mike McCarthy's team, teams, yeah. and you know they, they just needed that extra push, and, right. and Freddie Kitchens took over – Hugh Jackson's teams, who took over Which, everyone else's. I mean, I was about to say it's it's almost like a cyclical every <laughs> that, year that, type yeah. thing. He's there. not going to say weird. it on the record, but I would yeah. love to know because like the the thing about Mike McCarthy for years was that Ted Thompson wouldn't go out of his way to give him help, and really mm-hmm. the thing that's pushing the Packers toward the Super Bowl, at least a big factor, is they dropped fat stacks on pass rushers in the offseason. They got uh, Preston off. Smith, Zadarius Smith. Mike McCarthy's probably like, where the hell was this <laughs> right. when I was the head coach? <laughs> right. And so, he actually made the comment J- last Jerry's week. Jerry's like, I got you. Yeah, yeah. he made the comment last week. I'm actually going to have more input here than I had all those years in Green Bay. And we know here he's not the decision maker. It is a, it's done by committee. But he says he's going to have way more input on that kind of stuff than he did in Green Bay. So and he, and he will. Yeah, I mean, people, will. there's a misperception that Jerry goes out here and just says, "I do it my way." That is not true. Jerry listens. In fact, the, Jerry Pite listens more than he should. He listens to a lot of people around. He gets a lot of voices, a lot of input, and you know he will be one of them. Will McClay will continue to be one of them. Stephen Jones, of course. So it he, he'll have he'll have an input, and Jason Garrett had an input too. I mean, like that that was that was part of it. I mean that that happens. 
Yes, he's the GM, but he he listens to people. That's somebody asked me that the other night. Uh, you know, I've, you know, if Nussmeier's moving to quarterbacks coach, it looks like John Kitna's done here, which I would have liked to see him stay. It looked yeah, like Kitna's he had a great relationship. But at the, no, yeah, if I could have picked anybody besides Kellen to stay on the staff, it probably would have been him. But at the same time, I got to let my new head coach hire the guys that he wants. Like. You're like, oh my God, he didn't keep Kitna. That's a terrible idea. Well, if they'd kept him, then Jerry makes all the decisions. It's slightly so. Yeah, yeah I you mean, have you a, gotta you gotta let McCarthy. Leon Lett might degree. be involved in this too. Leon okay. Lett's still under contract, and yeah. he's actually coaching this week with uh, Gary Brown, I believe, at the East West Shrine game. I believe okay, that's cool. where they're coaching. That or the it's either that game or the uh, NFL PA game, one of the two. But they're actually coaching the North South team, whatever, oh, cool. as the head Nick, coaches. You had a chance to sit down with, with Coach McCarthy last week mm-hmm. and talk to him. And, and one of the things that, that you mentioned him was the importance of uh, of holding over yeah. some guys to be able to kind of have a perspective on what they knew of guys before this coaching yeah. staff got here. What, what do you say about that, and what, yeah. was your, what was your take on it? Well, I mean, I, he, he said that, yeah, that's been part of coaching, you know, like a – I don't know if you would say like an unwritten rule, but you, when you do take over a staff, you, you don't want to just wipe the slate clean because there are these, these guys that you, you look at and go, okay, well, why didn't he play well last year? Or, or what was the thing? You know, just nice to have a couple of guys on the staff that knows, hey, you might want to coach him differently or this. And, you know, when you're talking about strength coaches or trainers, you do want some holdovers there. So he, he said it's just a balance. It's a balance of finding guys that are that are new, that, that teach the message in a different way, but also can relate to the players and, and kind of can understand them. So it won't it won't be surprising to me if there is a defensive coach. Maybe it's Leon, maybe some other guys that, that can stay over. I don't even know what's up with Greg Jackson. I guess he's oh, yeah. he's he always kind of flies under the radar there. He's a safeties coach, but I've, I've heard him say about nine words since he got the job yeah. here. So publicly, at least. So well, the one thing that you can say is that you know Will's going to be here, and that's the that's the guy that when it comes to player evaluation, yeah. he's probably top guy in the organization. So he'll be here to be able to give a lot of that perspective, regardless of who the coaches are, uh, about what the players are and what they expect from them and what they you know what they think they'll be able to do. All right, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, we're going to get into the defensive side of the ball. Talk about some free agents. Remember, last time we did this, we're going to put them into three categories. Make it work, if it works, or not going to work. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks. Free shipping! Whether you're into being a part of this or more into something like this, SeatGeek has the tickets to the events you love. It's the easiest way to find, buy, and sell tickets. Plus, with their deal score technology, they'll recommend the best seats in the house at the best value. So the next time you're craving this, the SeatGeek app and let's go. SeatGeek. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too... Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor, Angus! A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score September 2019. Back to the break. Welcome back. It is the final segment of The Break Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Uh, let's talk about free agency. Cowboys, we talked at our on our last show about the offensive free agents and special teams free agents. I'm sorry, specialist free agents that the Cowboys have. But I want to talk about the defensive side of the ball. And I'm going to throw out names. I want you guys to put them in three different categories. And the categories are 
make it work. In other words, they are a priority. You need to keep them. Um, if it works, so that means eh, if we can get a good contract that, that makes sense, I'd like to see them back. And then not going to work. That means let them walk. Don't worry about it. Yeah. It's all good. You can move on. You can find better talent. Let me say this about if it works because that seems like that's a real easy one mm-hmm. to, to throw in. If it works also means that they go to March 18th, I believe is the date, for free agency and get to test the waters. Yep. So that's that's, right. the, that's you want the, to risk that's the risk yeah. there. Is yeah. not just say, well, if it works. If it works, it also means that you go to a team that has a lot more money than you and they pay them and this and is a big deal them. for these guys. That's exactly yeah. right. All right, so let's uh, let's start with a guy that got here in the middle of the season but had big impact, Michael Bennett. Where do we fall? Amber? Mm, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't mind him being here again, but for some reason I just don't see him having another year here with the Cowboys, whether that's for money or whether he's hitting. Has he ever talked about retiring soon? He has he's, hinted that, yeah. So yeah. He, he, he's hitting that time frame where he's kind of ready to step away from the game and you know when guys started speaking like that it's coming pretty soon so I just don't know I probably don't think that the money would work for another year with the Cowboys so I would say bye I think I'm stealing the talking point from either you or Rob but it felt noteworthy that his brother Martellus came to the final home game I didn't think about that but yeah that makes sense I mean we never seen him at another game like Marty B's got a bunch of stuff going on he writes children's books and he took the time company took the time out of his day to go to a week 17 you know game that I think he actually lives in LA does he not I don't he doesn't live here yeah. Uh, well, go ahead. Anyway, but and, and I mean, playoffs were kind of on the line, but like not really. Like you know, the season's probably going to end that day, and he came. Nick didn't. True, Nick did not. But <laughs> it's fine. What, you're still just taking shots at Nick. No, I'm, just, I'm still waiting for my sushi. I'm just, right. you know. I had to wait for Dave to get back. True. <laughs> Good point. I I don't know. I don't know Michael Bennett's mind, but I saw that and I was like, I wonder if this is going to be his last football game. Yeah. Um. If if he wants to come back, I'm if it works, I'm more than happy. Not going to break the bank, but I I he obviously played well. I liked what he brought to the locker room. I'd be all for it. You know, there was also they reworked the contract in the middle of the season. I think to make him a free agent. Right. So um, there's some there was some speculation that that was part of the deal in the first place. Yeah. Of, you know, and uh, you can really go deep into the speculation of things that he's done in the past during the anthem and things he didn't do this year and maybe maybe there was some agreement to all of that that maybe this is why he's a free agent if that's the case then he probably wouldn't come back so i think they have to be part ways there i will say on the surface just just if you're talking about the play i would make him well it it would be between him and and quinn one of them to me needs to be a priority because I think that if you look at how the Cowboys rushed the passer this year, I think those two guys were as successful as anybody on this team in doing so. Are you bringing up Quinn now? Uh, not necessarily. We okay. will get to him. But I'm just, I guess the point I'm making is for, for Michael Bennett, for me, he would be a guy that I might make a priority, again, depending on how I look at both those two guys. And uh, I, w- I would definitely make one of them a priority. I think you need one of them. Uh, because I don't necessarily see anybody else on this team that I think is ready to be that role that that either one of those guys played. Yeah, let's go ahead and move to Robert Quinn. Okay, then, well since, that's since we yeah. did it. What, what did you have on that one? I I would absolutely. He needs to be a priority. And no offense to Michael Bennett, but at this stage of his career, I just I don't know if he can be what Robert Quinn can be, which is a full time bookend, ten sack guy. Like I don't know if Bennett is doing that if he gets. 65, 75% of the snaps. I don't know if he can hold up. He's, I think he's turning 34, 35 this yeah, year. he's 34. Quinn is 30, which mm-hmm. he's still got. It reminds me a lot of DeMarcus Ware, honestly. It, you know, had a downturn in Dallas. He was one of the only talented players on the team. Didn't, wasn't great for a couple years. Went to a much more talented team. Was still pretty damn good. And the other thing is, I know the market's changed over the last six years. He didn't break the bank. Like he got a nice contract with mm-hmm. Denver, but it wasn't nuts. He did three yeah. years for thirty million. If you tell me I can get Robert Quinn for that, I'm so on board. It's not even funny because uh, the the funny like there's a misconception that the Cowboys aren't going to have any money when they're done paying Dak and Amari. That's not true. They got money. They got plenty. of they money. They got a lot of money because you got to think about this. If you have 26 free agents, that means 26 guys are coming off the books. 
So, yeah, that's a lot of guys to sign, but that's a lot of guys that are not getting paid anymore until you have to you know, pay them again. So and they have money. Robert Quinn is a rare situation of a Pro Bowl caliber starter who probably wouldn't just absolutely blow the bank on the open market because of his age, because of, you know, you know, downward trend, you're paying for what you're getting, not for what's already happened, all that stuff. So I think you could get him for a modest fee by free agency standards. And that's what makes it appealing because then you think about what you're losing in the secondary. Uh, you, I mean, you, and you can't replace it all in the draft. Right. And so that's a guy, if you could get him back here for two or three years at a expensive but modest price, Hell yeah. Amber. I think out of that group, uh, I would try definitely to keep Robert Quinn. I think there are other guys at uh, the tackle position, too, that can be changed and maybe upgraded. And hopefully with the new coaching staff, they can improve. Because obviously there was lack of productivity last year. Without, I mean, when you look at all these guys, they're talented, and you were expecting the defensive line to be very productive yeah. this year, and it just wasn't happening for whatever reason. Especially, and you know, we've we've talked about Demarcus Lawrence and the big money contract that he got, and although he he was he didn't play bad, but it wasn't what you were expecting. So I would hope that they make smarter decisions this year and that hopefully the coaches can bring in and, and change what was happening there and figure out what the problem was last year and make it better that way. But I would try to keep Quinn. You know, one wild card to all this is is what kind of scheme that they play. I mean, I think that they're going to still play a 4-3, but Jim uh, Mike Nolan has had a lot of success with 3-4. I don't know if they'll make that switch, but remember about Robert Quinn. He went to the Dolphins in the 3-4 scheme. It wasn't didn't really work out. They got rid of him. They're ready to trade him for, what, sixth-round pick because he wasn't a good fit there. I think that a 4-3 scheme is where he needs to be. So they need to figure that part out, too, because that will affect his decision on where he goes. Right. All right, let's, uh, let's move on. Let's talk about Malik Collins. Same thing about the scheme. I mean, you know, let's assume it's let's gonna assume be four, four three. three. Let's assume yeah. four three until until told otherwise. Man, I yeah, that's where the issue is for me. It's the defensive tackle spot. I think they need to change their priorities there, make sure they and really upgrade that. Don't try to find a you know, because you found Antoine Woods, that's fine. You tried to find Nick Hayden. I mean, try to find these guys. Get give me a guy that's picked. I, I know they picked Tristan Hill, but yeah. Do it, do it again. <laughs> do it again, it again and do it better. Run over. Yeah, but but the word's always been, and you guys can can correct me if I'm wrong, but the word's always been that that Marinelli didn't necessarily always agree with some of the guys that they would have maybe considered drafting who would have been really great or at least were, were high-profile, um, you know, high-talent type guys on that defensive line. Now that he's gone, presumably, is this no. a situation? Yeah. He's going you, to Oakland. I get it, but do you do you do you presume at this point that maybe that opens the door for them to at least have a different perspective? Yeah. Because the guy that's in the room saying, "Hey, I don't think we need that guy," is no longer here. Yes, and it's one of the, going back to Ag's point is like that. Like I'm excited about so much stuff because it's different. Like you know. Last year and every year for the last seven years, you're like, well, they don't like safety and they don't like spending big resources on right. defensive tackles. Don't know that that's true anymore. It theoretically could be, mm-hmm. but we don't know that. And we know Will and his staff take heavy amounts of input from the coaching staff. We know every year around April, the narrative starts to change when the coaches really start to dive into the tape. And it will, it'll be fascinating to see what Jim, Tom, Sula, and some of these other guys think because I think it's going to be different. Yeah. I don't know if that means they're going to draft a safety or a defensive tackle at 17, but, again, it's it's fresh and it's new, and you can't sit here and say, well, they hate safeties because these guys might not. The other guys did, but they're gone. Amber, Malik Collins? For some reason, I feel like his time here is just – he, he did what he needed to do for you, gave you what he needed to give you, and that's it. I see the Cowboys kind of moving on from him and mm-hmm. trying to upgrade the position. Not that he was a bad player. He was a pretty good player, and he lasted a good while, but I think it's time to transition from him. 
I, I don't think that they'll be able to compete with the money. I think that some team. Oh, you think he's going to get like a big offer? Yeah, I do. I think some, really? somebody will will figure out what he does and go. You know, this is exactly the type of guy that we need. I think they'll they'll let him test free agency. They'll want to come. They'll say all the things that they want him to come back. And before you know it, on day two of free agency, he's going to have some seventy million dollar deal with Jacksonville Jeez. or something like that. I, okay. It wouldn't wow. surprise me. I don't know. I don't know about Maybe not that high. I don't, I don't know about the number, but <laughs> I think big. I think he'll get a, a contract that'll surprise people. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he, he plays three technique. He's capable of getting six sacks. Yeah, he's got a lot of pressure for that position. So I and it's so that's should, value. So should the Cowboys be really considering bringing him they, back with a different guy no. in his ear? They no. might. They they might though. That, that's what we yeah. talked about last. You know, the last time we saw this with. Parcells, he had a different vision of Flozell yeah. Adams than the Cowboys had before. Maybe th- he comes in and says, we are signing M- Malik. Are you kidding me? I signed Malik before I signed Amari. I mean, I'm not saying he was, says that, but he could. I mean, yeah. just based off of what Tom Sula and him what really want on their defense. These conversations are a bummer because it makes – you know, I don't mean to sound like I don't think he's a good player, but that to me is rather than try to get into a bidding war, you draft well and replace that. He was pick 67, third-round pick. Like you should be able to find that production again without spending crazy resources should. on it. Should. should I mean that's and that's the pressure that's on the front office also, is finding those. Guys. Also, sorry to keep going with this, but there's factors on everything. If I know that Tyrone Crawford's coming back, and I, I think you can get him at a at a cheaper price, maybe. I is think he? I think he is. I think he's going to be back, and I think he's willing. He won't to be take an unrestricted free agent until 21. Yeah. But they may yeah. be able to do something. I think they can work on his deal a little bit. I think he comes back. I think they missed him a lot last year. So, I agree. you know, I would make him a tackle. I would. Yeah. But. Well, the other th- and I know you're going to get to him if we don't run out of time, but. I'd be a lot more willing to re-sign Malik Collins if I know I don't have a shot at Byron Jones. But if I have a shot at Byron Jones, I'd rather use that money there. And it all ties together. Yeah. We will probably not get there to Byron Jones today. Okay. we got a few more defensive uh, linemen we got to get to. Uh, but we will get to that. If not today, then again next week. Let's talk about a couple guys that I think are kind of in a similar boat. Christian Covington, Kerry Hyder. What do you guys think from the standpoint of those guys coming back? Again, these were hired guns that you kind of brought in as free agents. You hope they could give you something. At times, made a couple plays here and there, turned some heads every once in a while. But what do you think about them going forward? I I, I wouldn't, you know, they're going to sleep well if they don't come back. I mean, if somebody, if they sign with someone else, I think they'll be fine. But I do think Hyder might be a guy that if it, if it works out, for he he can come back. I mean, you do need some depth on the defensive uh, on defensive end. I mean, they don't they don't have Taco obviously, and and I mean, these are guys that they were trying to get in, on this team for the last few years. I don't think Dorrance Armstrong has turned the corner to the point where you're like, oh, you know, he's the savior. I mean, you don't have any answers there. And if Quinn and and Bennett leave. Then I mean you got to do something. You need there. the bodies. You need the bodies, else. and I think I think Hyder is is pretty good. But again, if somebody pays him more, I think he's he's gone. It's a cop out too. It goes back to the point is like I don't I don't know what these guys value yet. Like it's a good guess. You know they bring in Kerry Hyder. These are guys that Rod looked at and was like, oh yeah, he can do what I want him to do. This staff might have a completely different idea, or to Nick's point, they could be like, oh hell yeah, this guy's perfect for what we want to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case. Bring them both back. I thought they're both they they were both solid. They're both good locker room dudes. That's fine with me. But it, it doesn't make or break anything. I think it's just going to depend on what they value. Covington was a little disappointing in in the sense that he just didn't make that much of an impact. And I know that that position's not going to. But there were chances to do that. I mean, they had to go out and get Michael Bennett because you know Tristan Hill wasn't doing what they wanted him to do. And there was opportunities for Covington to kind of to make a splash. Every now and again, he would, but it just it wasn't to the point where I thought he might be a little bit better than that. Yeah, honestly, that's that's kind of what I expected from him was that, especially at that position, there would be a handful of times this year where you would notice him and be like, "Wow, that was yeah. that was pretty good." Now, the fact that they had some games where they just couldn't stop the run—that's where I wonder a little bit about a lot of these defensive linemen. Was that a matter of scheme? Was that a matter of them just not doing their jobs well? That's where I think the question really, for me, comes with a lot of these guys that are free agents on the defensive line. He, he's a neutral guy. He's one of those that's not really going to push the pocket either way. He's not going to get blown off the ball back into the you know the safety, and he's not always going to Which is a horrible thing not for a horrible defensive thing. tackle. Especially yeah, sometimes if you're the you, one just kinda, you just kind of hold your ground a little bit. So that's... There's something to be said for that, but, I mean, it depends on how, how much you're paying a guy to do how that. How I see it for those two guys, 
it, it depends what I do with these other starters. Are you keeping them? If so, then I would try to upgrade from those backups positions and the rotation and all that. Or if you are making a change in those starters, then I would maybe consider mm-hmm. keeping those just to keep like not that you need a familiar face, but somebody that you know what has done here and knows what although they they're not gonna know because you got a whole yeah. new coaching staff. But I don't know. I, I, I like one of the two to be a constant, you know? I, w- I wouldn't necessarily prefer to replace both. I would just replace one. Let's not forget, too, about defensive tackle. Antoine Woods is probably going to be a suspension. He's going to have a suspension for the first maybe four games of the season. I mean, he was arrested. I mean, that there's something to be said for that. I well, mean, you also have a restricted free agent in Daniel Ross who missed the last part of the season as well on injury. But both those guys have been arrested, right? Yeah. So both those guys are probably going to be facing some I, kind of yeah. something from the league. I can't imagine Ross being a part of this yeah. anymore because no. I mean, they, they they almost – he was out the door and then he got hurt and then now it's, he's here. I don't think he's going to be here. I'm surprised yeah. he's still around, honestly, yeah. because when he got arrested, I thought maybe they would you know, do yeah. something there. That's a – which – I totally understand your point about Antoine, but we waited all year to hear something about Tyrone Crawford, too, and never did. That's true. It's hard trying to predict league disciplinary stuff. You might might go into next season for the first four games and have have multiple guys that could be facing. Oh, well, no. I mean, if nothing happened to Tyrone before, I assume it's not going to happen now. I'm just saying... I, well, Maybe. you know what? Great point. Like, In the NFL, you just have don't know. fun trying to predict know. what the league yeah. does with any of that stuff. Yeah, oh, I can tell know. you it'll happen on a day when we're not in the office because yes. <laughs> the suspensions come, yeah. always happen like yeah. that. Yeah. All right. Um, tell you what. Let's get to, to Sean Lee at linebacker. Unrestricted free agent. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Just the way you said it. Like... <laughs> I was like, "Who's Tashawn Lee?" Like, I don't that, know. That's what I. Oh, sorry, that's sorry. how I heard it was Tashawn Lee. Sean Lee. I was, just, choice. I was laughing because, like, two years ago, he's not a Tashawn either. That's why I was laughing. The dominant storyline was that like the team just fell apart when he yeah, couldn't when play. He wasn't there. And now it's sort of like, oh yeah, let's let's get Deshaun Lee. Forgot about him, Deshaun. Yeah, you really yeah. needed him when Leighton went out. Yeah, no. He he's, he helped you out a I, lot last year. He was one of your better defensive players this year. I'll Un, just say that I, if he wants to keep playing football, come on back. As and assuming he's comfortable with the same role, because I, I mean, Leighton and Jalen are are in place to be your starters. Just to know Leighton did have successful neck surgery yes. earlier this week. Supposedly successful uh, <laughs> neck surgery. I, again, we don't know for sure. That's just the reports that it was a successful neck surgery. He had it, he's expected to be fine for the offseason program. So again, I mean, Sean's probably not going to be a day one starter here. And if he's okay with that, he proved his value in spades this year. I'd love to have him back if he wants to keep playing football. I think well, it's he, a, he seemed he, like he was okay last year with it. With yeah, the no, nothing had. I've yeah. gotten. I have gotten no indication that he's like mad about being the third linebacker on this team. Yeah, if he wants, I mean, I don't. It's hard to imagine him not being involved in football. So I assume, I, if I had to guess, like by March, he's going to be so antsy to be doing football stuff again. I would guess he tries to play another year, but we'll see. Money would not be an issue no, either. Not no. at all. He would be happy to just sign whatever. So is his wife happy for him to sign whatever? I'm sure. Yeah, Which, she enjoys that's the That's always beach. a part of it, right? The funny thing, yeah. I, I thought yesterday, Luke Keekley retired yesterday. Yeah. He's, like, significantly younger than Lee. And I know he had concussion issues, but, like, had a significantly healthier career. Like, I would have never guessed Luke Keekley would retire before Sean Lee. Yeah. Although Luke did have his injury issues. He had injury No, issues. he had yeah. concussion problems yeah. for sure. Yeah. But, I mean, Sean has missed... Thirty-five yeah. percent of the possible games he could have played in, or something like that. I always thought of I always thought of Luke Keekley as what Sean Lee could have been without sure. all of the hundred percent. Like, he was that good. I love Sean Lee. Like I, I think he's great, but you have to look at both sides of this. And where was the one problem that was the biggest glaring issue for the Cowboys last year? Where did Defense. they just consistently struggle in? Defense are talking about specifically special team. Oh, oh, yeah. Sorry. Okay. Special team. Oh, that yeah. thing does trickle down. If you have a guy that you're your third linebacker, but he's not playing special teams, then that means that these other guys have to be on the roster to play special teams, and then that, that just kind of affects point. your whole roster a little bit. It's like having that older receiver. 
that doesn't play special teams, but he's your fourth guy, you know, and it's like that he doesn't help. I get that, but with a, a position like linebacker where you have two guys that honestly, I don't know if I trust their health and three, their no, three guys now. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But I'm saying you, three. you got a guy's got a remade leg after having <laughs> horrific <laughs> injury. It's a weird right? way to I mean, describe it. I, okay, clear eye view. Um, but but the point of the matter is you got him, and then you got a guy that just had neck surgery. And and my thing is like yes. with, with two neck. guys like that, I think I gotta have my third linebacker has to be somebody that I can plug and play because I know that those two I just don't completely trust. That they're going to be there. I think all the time. he is. That's funny though. He's well worth what you lose on the on the right. roster for the insurance policy, and I, I think agree. he proved I, that. I just this think year. there's something that they all have to kind of factor in because it's funny how now Sean Lee is the plug and play guy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's the one that you can rely on. Right, health, right, right. But yeah. but I'll say this: I'm not. Luke Gifford is still developing. That's true. Oh, having him on there. the <laughs> sideline though, like having him on the sideline, is very valuable yeah. because he's he's a vocal guy. He, he can you know. It's like those basketball coaches that coach the floor, and then there's some that coach the bench. Mm-hmm. Those guys are getting valuable instruction there, and I think Sean Lee does that. Bring, bring, yeah, Luke Gifford's coming back, and then let's spend a seventh round draft pick on some badass from a school I've never heard of who has 9,000 career tackles. It'd be perfect. And about yeah. 40 concussions. Sure. Well, oh, jeez. Damn. I'm just saying, you've been in a lot of car wrecks if you're doing that. It doesn't matter if you're playing at Chadron State or Ohio State. Oh, Those... Use your shoulder. Don't use you. your head, right? Cool. All right. We appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back uh, on next Wednesday. When we come back next Wednesday, we are going to talk about, we're going to finish up this list. There are quite a few more defensive guys that will be unrestricted free agents, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about all those guys. Till then, for Nick Eaton, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com. Radio. Radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?